Podcast 50 for November 2008. The Spider-Man Crawlspace Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They want to be your supplier of new comics and trade paperbacks. They make it easy to switch by offering discounts from 38 up to 75% off the cover price. An example is the Amazing Spider-Girl Trade Paperback, Volume 1. The cover price is 15 bucks. Mail order has it for $9.29. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com and tell them the crawlspace sent you. Welcome back, webheads, to our two-part interview with writer Tom DeFalco and artist Ron Friends. They're the creative team on the Amazing Spider-Girl title, and we join the conversation by taking live callers from around the world. On the message board, he's locked down. He's calling from Illinois. And on the Spider-Girl message board, he's Husky Pride. So, Ryan, welcome. Hey, how's everybody doing today? Doing good. Hanging in there, Ryan. All right, Tom, Ron, how are you? I'm good. Good. What do you, uh, Tom, what do you got sorry. for the gang, Ryan? Well, uh, first for uh, Tom, I wanted to ask you, uh, do you actually write out all the uh, legacy of where uh, the 616 universe branches off into the Spider-Girl universe, or do you just uh, work on it? <laughs> I just couldn't help it. <laughs> Are you okay, Ron? <laughs> tell him, Tom. Tell him, Tom. Go ahead, tell him. The we can make this stuff up as we go along. Oh. Oh, don't tell the fans that, Tom. No, no, no. I, <laughs> you know, when we when we first started, um, which is uh, you know, with the what if story, um, we were just doing one story, and we really didn't have to figure out where the branch off was and everything else like that, and you know, so we didn't. We just came in, we told out one story, and we walked away. And um, never really, you know, planned on doing another one. We we thought, you know, there was always a possibility that we could, you know, someday revisit Spider-Girl and do a sequel. But, you know, we were not setting up a series. Um, Later, when we we found out that uh, we had a... you know, it had sold well enough that, you know, Marvel wanted us to do that in two other books. <coughs> we, you know, kind of, you know, went from there and, again, did not, you know, backtrack all the way because, you know, our, our original backtrack was before, um, you know, before we found out that, uh, you know, some actress was impersonating Aunt May for who knows how long. Um, yeah, and, right. and for some reason, Spider-Man's Spider-Sense just didn't detect this. Um, <laughs> and no one who knew Aunt May all her life could detect this or anything else. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, since... You know, I, I'm not sure when the actress theoretically actually came in into the, uh, you know, continuity. You know, continuity. Um, and if I could backtrack to find out when that actress could come in, then we'd have to backtrack a couple of months previous to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and that's where we start. Right. So yeah, we ended up pretty much cherry picking what did and didn't happen. I mean, when you get into the stuff like, uh, 
uh, Aranja. You know, Tom just kind of covers that with dialogue. Really? I thought she didn't show up until after you retired. And he went, yeah, people screw that up all the time. The problem is that, that Tom and I are old, older school fans because our setup for the Spider-Girl series is, you know those two crazy kids that did the upside-down kiss in that first movie? They got married and had a kid. <laughs> okay. When Tom picked the, the Gathering of Five to be that final battle with with uh, Green Goblin because it was in current continuity at the time, that caused all kinds of problems. <laughs> because believe me, even if we try to lock it down to a moment in time in Spider-Man's continuity, we're not going to let that di- dictate what characters do and do- don't show up alive, dead, or resurrected in MC2 continuity. I mean, it, it's an it's an exercise in storytelling. It's a fun exercise in storytelling. I mean, we brought back, you know, we had Clint show up, we had uh, Hawkeye show up in his in his version, and he's been killed and resurrected two or three times in the regular six one six since we originally did that story. You know, I mean, I I think at one you know we were using uh, what's his name? Uh, oh my gosh, uh, uh, Scott Lang. You know, we we were using oh, yeah. him as Cassie's dad, and he was killed and resurrected two or three times since we made that decision too. So you know, it all pretty much still comes around back around on the wheel. But MC2 tends to be its own animal as far as you know. I mean, it was only it was only fairly recently that Tom and I actually started discussing the possibility of of doing a story that firmly establishes where MC2 sits in the multiverse. Because those kinds of stories, quite frankly, aren't that interesting to Tom and I. And we understand that there's a there's a a segment of the fan population that just loves sorting all that out in its minutia. But that, that really, you know, not, no judgment against that kind of fan. Tom and I just tend not to be that kind of fan. And, and that's not as interesting to us as, you know, the interactions of the characters as it stands in MC2. So it's not really something that we would go back and... Uh, Re-establish or you know get into the minutia and detail of it. Um, you know, if if some fan would want to to do that kind of a of a log, God love them because you're going to have a, a heck of a lot to sort out. Yeah. I mean that that's going to be like the, the <laughs> that's going to be like the most crazy game of Jenga you've ever played in your life. You know, <laughs> trying to make all that work. But yeah. uh, go with God if you decide you're going to do that. It's, you know? it's always been my theory that as long as you provide big gaps of time. <laughs> you know, this, because, you know, this happened in that big gap of time. You're talking to a man who all of Marvel history can be encapsulated in the term a few months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow on the third Tuesday of uh, March. and <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. What else you got for him, Ryan? Well, actually, I wanted to ask, Ron, what's your favorite A-next character to draw? Uh, oh, to draw. Oh, well, that, that puts a different, because uh, Kevin would have just been my immediate answer. And probably to draw as well, but, uh, I, I enjoy, my God, I enjoy all of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm really trying to think of one that I don't enjoy drawing, and that would, uh, yikes. I mean, the fact that I was daddy to so many of them, I mean, I, I try to put little, little things in there that, that I enjoy. I mean, whether it's an attitude, or a costume detail or something. American Dream uh, is a lot of fun to draw. I mean, you have the, uh, the, yeah, I the love ridiculously long flowing hair, and yeah. you know she's one of the one of the few female characters that I've created that is supposed to be the epitome of the John Romita woman. You know that kind of thing, kind of like the Seven of Nine chick. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> what a because cool motorcycle! 
I, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to have all my female characters that. I mean, you know, uh, Blue Streak is very is, has a very different build, and and May has a very different build, and I try to keep all of that in mind. J- having said that, J two has always been a great deal of fun for me. Although a lot of the readers feel I make a lot of the readers feel I make him too big too. You know, but hey, I co-created him. So you know, <laughs> screw you, people. I'm drawing him the size of the Ron, I think Ron, I think you talked about how you love to draw little Ben Parker too. Oh, he's the best. I, it was so fun for me to see that uh, the Colleen Coover is drawing him in a very, very different way, but every bit is adorable. But it, it was always kind of funny. I was always kind of curious to see what Colleen was going to do with him because I'm, I'm, I tend to my, – my basis as an illustrator is in cartooning. You know, it, uh, Pat Olive, uh, nobody is a bigger Pat Olive fan than I am, but his, his basis is more in illustration. He, he's very realistic in his approach to just about everything. I, it, my whole deal is you, the character is a character. You know, I don't worry about what a saber tooth might really have looked like. I know what Zabu looks like. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And Ben is, is a little, I, I want to get expression out of that little baby face. So I did, you know, I, it, my Ben is probably every bit as cartoony as Colleen Coover's, just in a very <laughs> different way. You know? I'm very jealous that she gets to do this Ben bit because. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with the issue I'm working on now, there's a nice physical Ben gag that I'm really looking forward to doing because I love little Ben. I love drawing Benji and trying to get some acting out of him, and it, and it makes it a lot of fun. Yeah, but yeah, I have to say, Tom, those uh, little Benji stories are a great, great fun. Well, um, you know, I, you know, a lot of that, you know, first off, to, you know, to Ron for putting, you know. For making me fall in love with little Ben. <laughs> so you're making me feel guilty because my one criticism is I don't feel you really capture Ben's essence correctly <laughs> in those stories. Motivationally, I feel you've missed the mark, Tom. And well, uh, when he was baby carnage, right, Ron? <laughs> it would be very. Those stories would be very, very different if I were writing them. Let me tell you that. Um, and, and and of course, I have to give a shout out to to Shelley Mayer, who you know did Sugar and Spike for I don't know how many years, which is the you know obviously the, the great inspiration for for the Little Benji stuff. Yeah. God, guys, let's all take a step back. Tom is so old. Oh. Sugar and Spike. <laughs> Look We're at so it. hip and current. You're so old, Tom. I'll tell you what, Ron pats you on the back and then he stabs you in the back, Tom. What's that about? <laughs> Gotta my boss. I may have to get work past this, you know? I'm not going to get that by uh, tying my tights to an old dude like that. Oh, Sugar man. and Spike. Oh, dang. Sugar and Spike. Oh, man. Tell you what. what I don't know what that was. Yeah, well, that was very. I right. think that was Tom planting a bomb underneath Ron's car. <laughs> That's possible. <possibility. laughs> well, Ryan, so, um, anything else? I, uh, um, I, the only thing I have to say is, uh, do you guys uh, like Spider Girls World? Because I've been trying to keep that website up and going since I launched it. It was Spider Girls World. That's you know. It was mentioned in one of the uh, the letter pages, Tom. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I know what it is. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I was just going to tell the readers, the, 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 the other viewers, what it is. Oh, it's okay. a website that um, Ryan has, you know, created for, you know, for Spider Girl, and it's really a, a fun site. Um, you know, I, I, I have to say that I, um, Ryan and I have, you know, looked over the things and 
you know, some of your interpretations of the characters and stuff like that we find, you know, intriguing. <laughs> um, but, I was a theater major, Tom, I do that. <laughs> well, listen, you know, one of the wonderful things about comics is we all get to, you know, put in our two cents worth. And I think that that's, an, you know, a very important part of the, the whole comic book reading experience. Um, you know, as Ryan has often said, we are, you know, once you put the material out there, in a, in a very real sense, it's no longer yours. It, it belongs to your readers. It belongs to, you know, kind of everybody. And, um, you know, you know, I, I actually salute that. I think it's, a, you know, that's, a, that's part of the, 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 you know, the fun for, for me. Um, you know, well, I'm not really great at, at continuity and figuring out where such and such occurred and, you know, and the repercussions of, repercussions of, of something um, have happened. Um, I appreciate the fact that, you know, a lot of fans are, and, and to do that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I have a great time putting it together and what you guys put out, and I mean, I'll be ending little Benji to it eventually here in the next couple months here, so, and I intend to keep the site up and going as long as time permits, so, I mean, I, I just enjoy it. I mean, you guys have done a wonderful job, you and Pat and everybody else who's wanting to clean Rotten Limb and all the MC2 stuff, and it's just, you know, I always look at it and say, okay, what can I expand on here in Anex or the X people and just go from there, but, you know, I take up and, uh, I use look at my collection and just uh, work on that and just try to fill in all the gaps and uh, do well, my best not to. I'm sorry. What well, was I, think that? I think that's part of what Bob, uh, Tom was re responding to, Ryan. Is that once we put it out there, it's very interesting for us sometimes to see um, where people perceive blanks to be filled in and 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 how you guys are responding to the information that we're putting out. You know, through entertainment. And, and it's neat because it's all perception. I mean, it's all creative perception at this point, and and it's it's a lot of fun to see to have you kind of bat it back to us. You know, we volley it to you, you you bat it back to us, and you're putting so much work into it, and 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 treating it so much like it's a it's a real universe that that it becomes a real kind of an interesting exercise for Tom and I to see it reflected back at us, and uh, it, it's. It's a beautiful site. It's, it's a lot of fun. Thanks. I have it. I, I only get to to access to a computer every every so often, but usually I'm, when I get there, I'm a voracious reader because I'm such a fan geek and these are mm -hmm. these are my babies that I'm, I'm trying to read the whole website in one afternoon and that's not working. You know, because uh, I also no. have to like interact with my family. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> But uh, it, it is. It's a terrific site. Very much. Uh, I, I enjoy it immensely. Um, you know, the one thing that's tough for you guys, that, that's almost impossible for you guys, is I've noticed online that the assumption is that whoever worked on the first appearance of a character, whoever the creative team was on the first appearance of a character, gets accredited with the creation of that character. That's only sometimes true. And that's, that's all I can say about that, because you know, to go through each character and say who, who created what would be insane. So you pretty much have to go by the idea that, you know, whoever did the first issue. In some cases, that's ridiculously true, 
And but right. then in other cases, it's just not. And, and but how are you supposed to know that? There's no way for you guys to know that. It, right, you know, exactly. I'm not going to like break into the Marvel offices and be like, okay, on, in 1999. Even they wouldn't know, right? <laughs> so fun about it. I know. I mean, they, they would have no idea. In fact, in most of them that Tom created, he wouldn't know that he created them. So you know, even coming to us wouldn't do it. That's you know. Nice. Because I'd be sitting there going, wait a minute, was that off a sketch by Ron Lim, or did I design that character? You know, I mean, it's, we'd have to think about it ourselves. But, but So I, I like the idea that it kind of boils down to whoever the credits are on that first issue, you know. So it, it makes a lot of sense. Ryan, let's give a uh, plug for your site. People are listening and they haven't been to it yet. What's the address? It is uh, www.freewebtown.com slash spideynow, that's S-P-I-D-E-Y, now. And then, and that's it. All right. Well, Ryan, Ryan, I appreciate you calling in, my friend. Oh, oh, thanks. No problem, Brad. Uh, Tom, Ryan, just keep up the good work. I'm sticking with Spider Girl in whatever form she's in. So uh, thanks for all your support, man. You, you're welcome, guys. Uh, Have a good. Yeah, you're welcome, Tom. You guys have a good one. Thanks, Ryan. All right, that was pretty good for our first call. We did that pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Let's add. We're going to add. His name is Sebastian. And we're going uh, up to Canada for this one. All right, Ooh, we're Canadian. We're, <laughs> we're ringing Sebastian. Hey, Sebastian, how you doing? Good, good, Brad. I'm doing good. You're on the line with Ron and Tom. What do you got for them? Hey, guys. Uh, just first, I just want to say it's a pleasure talking to you. Um, <laughs> big fan of both your works. Um, I guess uh, my question is, uh, uh, one question I got is, uh, uh, you guys have been uh, working for in, in, in the comics uh, uh, world for, for quite a long time now. Um, is there, uh, um, you know, looking back, is, is there was there ever a time where you thought that maybe uh, this wasn't for you? Um, over the years for me, yeah, there have been a couple of times. Um you know, I did, uh, there, there, there was a time in the, um, in the mid-80s where I um, was convinced that I was going to be leaving the comic book industry and, you know, going into, uh, uh, you know, actually moving to the West Coast and be working for an animation studio. Hmm. And was, in, in fact, uh, you know, in a position, you know, I was negotiating my uh, my uh, salary, <laughs> um, and you know, and then things in the comic book industry changed, and you know, uh, you know, I ended up sticking around. There were also times in the seventies where uh, there was a paper shortage, and I I remember getting the. the you know, what I thought at the time was distressing news, which was that we had to cut our uh, print runs by 20% because the uh, paper industry needed the pulp to make toilet paper. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we were, we were deemed not as important as toilet paper. Wow. Is that why I they mean, made the Spider-Man toilet paper? <laughs> <laughs> In the 79, there was a Spider-Man Hulk toilet paper roll. Well, we, it was we an experiment. Yeah. You know, we, we didn't know where we were going to end up at, at that time. Yeah. So, you know, over the years, um, you know, over the years, I, you know, I, there would be scary points where I wasn't sure if the industry was going to last. I wasn't sure I was going to last and, and that, uh, you know. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, as a creative person who's, 
you know, going to be wrecking it. Um, through all of that, though, and I, I say this without, you know, without conditions, you know, I love this medium. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and this is my favorite medium to work in. Um, and, and there are, you know, other avenues where you can make a hell of a lot more money. Um, and over the years, I've, you know, occasionally succumbed and had to do that. Um, but, you, you know, there is no medium like comics um, for creative expression. Uh, or there's no, no medium that I've ever found like comics uh, that just gives you that, you know, you know, true joy of creative c- collaboration because, you know, the, in comics, you know, I get to work with guys like Ron and, and Ron Lerman, you know, Paul Ryan and Herb Trumpy and Sabia Summer, all, all sorts of other great guys. Mm-hmm. And we all get to contribute our, our ideas for the service of a story. And everybody approaches it totally without ego. Um, there are times when Ron and I start discussing and I have a couple of ideas for the story and he has a couple of ideas and we wish everything together and by the time we're done it doesn't resemble any ideas that either one of us had. <laughs> um, but it's a much better story and, we're, we're, you know, and we walk away thinking, man, is that cool? <laughs> um, and, you know, and I just come back to, I love comics. Right. Sebastian, what else you got for the gang? Um, I guess, I guess I was, I was caught off guard when you told me that Sal wasn't going to be on because I, I didn't, I, it, um, you know, when you first told me that we could go with it, you were going to have a podcast. I was trying to yeah. come up with questions and even now I'm struggling to come up with questions, but I guess, uh, uh, may, maybe for, for, for both Tom and Ron, I guess, uh, um, other than Spider Girl, you know, which which over the you know it's face it's face cancellation so many times and and uh, you know it's it's uh, it's been I assume it would it probably is difficult on on your end to you know to to want to continue working on a title that uh, you know every every now and then they keep saying that you're on the verge of cancellation. Is there ever another title like that over the years where you you've put in a lot of work into it? You felt you know, you felt that you had a lot, put a lot of work into it. Was there ever a title that you thought, well, it's not going to, you know, did the same thing occurred? Was there, you know what I mean? Um, for, for me, twice. And, and I want to clarify something. Even though Spider-Girl has been on the verge of cancellation for so many times and everything else like that, you know, you know the, the creative team, our devotion to the title has never wavered mm-hmm. and still doesn't waver. Yeah. Um, you know, it, we, for, for many years, did every issue as if it might be our last, because it might have well been our last. And we, you know, put our hearts and souls into, into every issue, um, and just try to say, man, you know, we, we've got to make this story even better than the last one. And, <laughs> you know, because we don't know, this could be the last one. Yeah. Um, you know, so with Spider Girl, you know, our, our commitment to the title will last years after the book actually has been canceled. Yeah. Um, two other titles that I was involved in that, you know, 
really put myself into and really, really hoped it would work and was crushed when, when, when the titles were canceled. Thunder Strike is one. Yeah. And that was canceled for a lot of reasons that had nothing to do with sales. Um, and uh, the Green Goblin series mm. that I did with um, initially Scott McDaniels. And again, that title was again canceled, having nothing to do with sales. Yeah. Um, Bo- both were great books. And I think they just got lost in the ma- mass amount of books that were being shipped by Marvel in the 90s. Well, uh, you know, Thunderstrike, at the time Thunderstrike was canceled, it was actually outselling Thor and the Avengers combined. Wow. But, um, you know, Marvel decided that they were going to cut the number of titles they were doing in half. And they said, you know, we're going to either cancel Thor or we're going to cancel Thunderstrike. Mm -hmm. And guys looked and said, well, you know, there's no choice here. <laughs> we all grew up with Thor. Yeah. And then within like another year, they canceled Thor because of the uh, Heroes Reborn stuff. Yeah. Or what was it? Yeah, Heroes Reborn. Yeah. Heroes Reborn. And Green Goblin was ultimately canceled because um, they decided that they wanted to make Norman Osborn the Green Goblin again. Yeah. Yeah. So they had to, you know. You know, in that hero book, it, it's comics. What are you going to do? <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, if, uh, but I, I do want to address just briefly what Tom was saying because it's absolutely true. At no point is, is any frustration we have with the way Spider Girl has, you know, has faced cancellation before. It, it never manifests itself as frustration with the book itself or the character itself or anything like that. I mean, it, it, we we rail at much larger targets than <laughs> we, we rail at the universe. We don't rail at, at May Parker. I mean, you know, it, it's not something that uh, even occurs to us to, to resent the working situation or to resent the character. Uh, you know, we, we, we get that on the message board every once in a while, that people assume that, you know, we feel like we're, wasting our effort or we're toiling in in um what's the word i'm looking for uh in lack of recognition or some of the obscurity uh we don't feel that way i mean we're, we're working on a character that, that, that you know we created from the ground up and uh, enjoy immensely and anybody i think who reads the title i think it comes through that we're having a gas here we're having fun yeah. i mean if we're if you know if, if we're a, a more uh uh if we're a more exclusive party than, than some other title, that's the way we see it. We don't see it as, you know, that we're we're, we're toiling in obscurity or, or railing against what, what book we should be on or anything like that. I mean, this is a joy. I mean, anytime you're working on a character that you created from the ground up and get to watch grow and evolve and have the have the you know a positive reaction from your fan base. There's nothing better than that. That's 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 yeah. what we're. That's what you work for as a creator. You work for that kind of uh, positive response from your audience, uh, no matter what the the actual uh, volume of that audience is. You know. Now, S- Sebastian is a big Sal Buscema fan, and he has a website. What, what's the address again, Sebastian? Uh, you want me to sp- uh, write it down or spell it out, or, 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 you, you, or you, you, spell you, it out spell- to the people that are listening? It's it's angelfire.com, right? That's right, uh, uh, and then uh, slash ca slash entertaining, and and, and, and 
keeps up on Spider-Man news and also has a little section devoted to Sal Buscema. Well, that, you, you couldn't pick a better guy to have a website for. Uh, if, you know, I guess there's a possibility that uh, Crawl Space may be doing an interview with Sal about his 40th anniversary and such. Is that, is that my understanding? Well, I've just been a big fan for years, and I've always wanted to talk to him. So, yeah, we, we, hopefully in the month or so we can talk to Sal. Well, I'll tell you, Sebastian, if you have a direct question for Sal, I might be able to answer it because one of the great joys of my professional life is I get to talk to Sal a couple of times a week. I'm sure he's sick of hearing from me, but he's the most gracious, fun-loving, he's just an incredible guy. I have been very lucky with all of my idols that they've all been terrific guys. I I have yet to meet one of the guys that I've grown up wanting to meet whose work has influenced me that has been, you know, an idiot or, or a jerk or anything like that. I mean, and Sal is at the top of the list of people. I wake up every morning and pinch myself because I'm working regularly with Sal. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just an, an amazing privilege, and uh, and he would be, you know, trying to, to, to yell over me to say how ridiculous <laughs> all of that is because that's just who he is. But if you have a specific question, I mean, it, let's try one. Give, give me a question you would have asked of Sal, and let's see if I can give you any kind of a, uh, of a satisfying answer. <laughs> well, I, I guess the, the one question, it was the question I had asked earlier about, you know, because Sal obviously has been, you know, celebrating 40 years with, with Marvel, I guess, uh, you know, and... Uh, uh, I, I, you know, you always on the internet and and through a lot of articles, you always see, the one thing you see is that everybody agrees Sal is is one of the you know underappreciated artists. Right, uh, right. He's done some absolutely phenomenal work, in my opinion. And uh, absolutely, uh, you know, and and it just seems uh, uh, he's he, you know uh, when we, that he's not getting as much maybe recognition as some of the other guys. Uh, you know, and I and, and I think I think he can draw them under the table any day. Uh, he's he's a phenomenal uh, storyteller, That's and I know. True. And and, and uh, <clears throat> you know, seeing uh, you guys work together on on the Spider Girl title, I, I can see. Uh, I, I can see. I, I asked also Ron that uh, I think you've mentioned. Perhaps I've seen this in an interview somewhere where uh, Sal, Sal was a big influence on on uh, on. You know, on your work as well. Oh, so it's quite, uh, uh, quite a dream to to work with uh, you know a guy that that one at one time was probably like an idol or something like that to you. So, well, it's uh, true, and, and Sal would agree with none of that. Uh, <laughs> he has. I have never picked up in Sal any resentment of how he was treated over the years or anything like that. He he's a terrific illustrator, he's a fantastic storyteller. He does not recognize his own status as deserving of of any. I don't get any impression off of him that he feels like he was cheated of any recognition or deserving of something more than he got. He's uh, for his 40th anniversary. They asked him to do uh, four alternate covers for, um, I believe, the Sentry, uh, Captain America, the Hulk, and um, Spider-Man. I believe were the four. Which comes out this. Week, yeah, yeah and, and he just did pinup shots, but they are the current versions, which of course, yeah. you know, Sal was kind of thrown by you know the Red Hulk and the, the Bucky Barnes Captain America and <laughs> things like that. But um, <clears throat> the the only thing Sal has said in comparing himself to 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 people like me is that I grew up a big comics fan, and and he he recognizes that my my real flesh and blood love of the medium is something. That, that he didn't have as much. For him, 
it, 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 and this is this is in no way a judgment against the kind of work he did because we're we're all huge fans of his here. But for him, it was a way for him to draw, which he loves to do, and and feed his family. <laughs> you know, there's I mean, he's one of, he's he's from a, a slightly different generation. He loved comics art as a kid. He and John used to talk about the guys that they admired, and you know, he he loved being able to make a living doing something he loved to do, which was drawing. But the 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 nuts and bolts of the characters themselves and the Marvel Universe itself and all this kind of stuff was, was not something that he was as tied into. I know one of his most gratifying professional runs was with the Mattis on the Spectacular Spider-Man yes, stuff. Yep. He just loved that stuff. And he is a guy that has absolutely no ego about the work he's done. I, he, he's always willing to try something new. Any editor that has Sal as a resource and doesn't say, could we try a little bit of this, or could you inject a little bit of that? I mean, Sal is always game for that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, if you look at his work, more so than almost anybody else that started at the same time he did, he experimented and evolved and changed his, some of the storytelling approach and all that kind of stuff to, to accommodate a new writer or a, or a different strip or something like that. And I've always admired that aspect of Sal, that he can be in the industry as long as he is, and you know, it's always seemed incredibly ironic to me that some people have this impression of Sal that he was always phoning it in because he did such a huge volume of work. And he is the, the least phoned-it-in kind of guy I've ever <laughs> seen in my life because he's always willing to recognize, uh, you know, some kind of different input. You know, working with Walt Simonson affected him, uh, being inked by Bill Sienkiewicz and some of those issues affected him and gave him ideas for different approaches, and he would always incorporate them. And it was always fascinating to watch and to see as a longtime fan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, having said that, he's done penciling. <laughs> he loves doing <laughs> his commissions, but, you know, he, he has no real interest in facing the blank page anymore. And, uh, I, you know, uh, friends of mine and I have talked about it. I guess maybe we all do have a finite number of pages in us. And God knows there's nobody but beyond Sal who would have a right to have reached that number because he, he has been so prolific. But, you know, when you talk to Sal about penciling a story, he's like, oh, God, no. You know, that guy, he'd rather have his skin peeled from his body than, uh, than have to pencil something. But he really enjoys the contribution of inking. He loves yeah. the tools, and he loves... Um, I, I think one of the things, if I may be so bold, is that since I've learned so much from Sal... I think we work together very hand in glove. I yeah. think we speak the same visual language. And I don't think when he looks at my work, there's, there's anything there that he doesn't get, in quotes. You know, you know what I mean? Because there's so many different ways to, to uh, translate something visually. But since I learned most of that language from the Ramitas and from John DeSemin, from Sal, and, and people like it, uh, and Frank Giacoya and, and, and artists like that, anchors like that, you know, Sal and I work very hand in glove. There's nothing he looks at and goes, oh, "What the heck is that supposed to be?" You know, that kind of thing. It, it, it's we're we're very much speaking the same, not only the same language but the same dialect. And yeah. I think that that, and I'm very gratified to know that that kind of lends to his enjoyment on on a day to day basis of producing the work. And uh, having him on the team is just an amazing thing for me. And, and I'm I'm glad that the fans are as gratified as I am because. Sal has been such a huge part of Spider-Man's history yeah. that it makes perfect sense. I mean, I love doing the Mr. the two Mr. and Mrs. Spider-Mans I did. We, we were just kind of firmly placing them visually 
in Sal's 90s Spider-Man run. Which is and awesome. So I was just, I was just ripping Sal off wholesale. <laughs> and, you know, and then, and then to see it inked by Sal, it's just like, oh man, that's so cool. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and I don't even know if Sal's noticed it, but I mean, you know, drawing just without any reservation, just drawing a 90s Sal. I mean, there was, I said, Sal, what did you, what did you think when you saw that first Mr. and Mrs. Spider-Man? And since the splash page was based on an old Ramita cover of, uh, the original, appearance of the lizard, one of the early appearances of the lizard, not the original appearance of the lizard. You know, that's what he picked up on, was that I was using kind of a Ramita-type position on the splash page. I said, you didn't notice anything else in there? Because I was bending over backwards to draw the eyepieces the way Sal did in the 90s, and to, you know, to do the webbing the way Sal did in the 90s, and he went, no, not really. <laughs> and, and we never recognize ourselves. I mean, he when, when Tom at one point had a conversation with, you know, where Sal said, uh, Ron says he's heavily influenced by me. Do you see me and Ron's stuff? And Tom went, Sal, everybody sees you and Ron's stuff, except you. <laughs> he went, really, I see some John, but I don't see any of me. And it, uh, we're, we're kind of, we have our own myopia when it comes to that kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Sal is, uh, is I, I've never had a conversation with Sal where he has ever said anything even remotely like, uh, boy, I, you know, you know, I, I wish I'd gotten more credit for that, or I wish the industry remembered me differently, or, or anything like that. Sal's a big picture kind of guy. He's gratified that he was able to support his family for as long as he has in this industry. He appreciates the industry for that matter, and he's very, very flattered through yeah. the workings of people behind the scenes, one of whom is on this call right now, <laughs> that, that Sal's 40 years at Marvel were recognized. And, and you know, and Sal was asking me, what do you think would be a good way to say thank you? You know, I mean, he, <laughs> he's, he's just that guy, you know. I mean, he's, he's not embittered at all. He doesn't feel he was owed something that he didn't get because he got a paycheck for all the work he produced. Yeah. You know? And that's a great place to be. I mean, if I could be anybody, <laughs> if I could wake up tomorrow and be somebody, I want to grow up and be Sal Basama. When, when you grow up, you want to be Sal. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I've been able to say that since I was eight, and I can still say it at, at 48. You know, I mean, it's, it's, nice. it's weird, but it's true. So. Yeah. Sebastian, I appreciate you calling in, my friend. Well, thanks a lot, Brad, for giving me a heads up. This, uh, and, and guys, uh, keep up the good work. Uh, you know, I hope... Uh, uh, and to get more, see more of your stuff, in the, uh, either in Spider Girl Beyond Number Thirty or, or some, in, somewhere else, because uh, you guys uh, truly deserve a place in the Marvel Universe. Good job, guys. <laughs> From your mouth to God's ear, Sebastian. Thank you very much, man. <laughs> Thank you, Sebastian. All right, that uh, was Sebastian, and we're going to go over to London now. Wow. Uh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Let's see. We're going to go with uh, Patrick, and let me add a call to it. You guys are all over the world today. <laughs> Yikes. He better, have an, he better have an accent or I'll be disappointed. Well, I, I know Sebastian had a little bit of a Canadian accent. Yeah, he, oh, he definitely had the Canadian yeah. accent. Patrick, are you, on the li- are you on the line, Patrick? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, Patrick. His handle on the message board is Ditko Loves Green, and he says all Ditko early villains have some sort of green in them. So that's his handle on the message board. <laughs> and that probably has less to do with that has less to do with Ditko and more to do with the fact that all those villains were fighting a red and blue dude. You know? <laughs> well, Patrick, what's your question for uh, Tom and Ron? Yeah. Okay. Uh, first of all, love what you guys are doing with Spider Girl. Just want to say that up front. Oh, thanks, Thank sir. And then. 
after Brand New Day, people consider Spider-Girl to be the true Spider-Man book. Do you think that puts a bit more pressure on you, or do you think it just spurs you on to do even better? Um, to be honest, I haven't really thought about that. I, you know, I just, uh, you know, I know this is going to sound corny and stuff, <laughs> but, you know, we're trying to do the best we can do anyway. And, um, <laughs> you know, we hope we, we just keep hoping to get better. Um, but, you know, we're, you know, it's not like we, we're holding back anything. So it's not like, uh, you know, we can, you know, get to a, a whole other level. We always hope we can because, you know, all of us, uh, you know, we run Salo constantly trying to figure out ways to improve our skills. You know, I, I still take uh, the occasional writing course. Because I, I figured, give me about ten more years and I'll get this thing right. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, uh, you know, I wish we could do better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not what, saying that you're bad. What, 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 percep you know, what perception are we dealing with here? Your crazy accent completely confused me. Between that and connection, uh, what, what, what perception are we dealing with? The the idea um, of what? People say that because after. Brand new day. People think Spider the Girl is the real Spider-Man book. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. I completely agree. Everybody should be reading this one. What the hell are you people doing? I, you know, hey, I'll say anything to get the brand new day numbers. You know, I mean, yes, absolutely. Yeah. England is right once again, and we should be following them in lockstep. <laughs> I completely agree. And yeah, well, you know, it, it really, it, it, you know, the people that feel that way, it's very gratifying. Um, I think, you know, I think most people are enjoying Brand New Day. Even the people that have a problem with how they got there, I think they're enjoying the ride. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, you can't begrudge other people their success. I mean, that perception is amazingly complimentary to Tom and I. And, you know, it's always amazingly gratifying when you meet a reader who's not even all that young anymore, who, you know, to whom DeFalco and friends somehow mean Spider-Man because we were on the book when they first started reading it and everything, and it's like, holy crap. I mean, that that whole idea uh, juxtaposed to a young eight-year-old kid who was, you know, reading Spider-Man at the time and everything is just mind-blowing. Um, but, you know, to, to address what Tom mentioned, too, is I know I can speak for Sal in this, too, is that we were all just doing our bit and uh, we all recognize that you know you either evolve or die and uh, we just keep doing what we're doing um, what I think I think some of what people are picking up in Spider-Girl is, is the people who love you know certain aspects certain tent pegs of the Spider-Man mythos see that in Spider-Girl because Spider-Girl is built on the same framework um, because that's the, the, those are the tent poles that we recognized as being, this is Spider-Man. These are elements of Spider-Man. Point, 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 point. Put them into the ground, tie the ropes to them, and let's see where we end up. And, and I, I think there's that shared perception with, with some of the readers when they read Spider-Girl that it feels like what they remember Spider-Man feeling like for those, for that reason, because we're coming from the same root. Uh, having said that, 
you know, anything is fair game as far as the, the evolution of Spider-Man. Spider-Man's been around a heck of a lot longer than Spider-Girl has, and they have to make decisions based on where Spider-Man is in his evolution and what the perception of the character is in the general public, and and they have tough calls to make of their own, you know. So, you know, it was one of those things where during the Clone Saga, during the, you know, the the um, the, the period of the Clone Saga where things seemed to never have an ending and people were getting... Uh, clone saga fatigue they <laughs> debuted a book called untold tales of spider-man and and that was getting a lot of the same praise and yet untold tales of spider-man went away after two years and the clone saga continued to sell huge numbers you know so yeah. perception is at best only nine tenths of reality there's always that, that <laughs> wriggly little one tenth that, that uh that makes the final decision on such things. And, and I remember that time, and at the time, that book was a better book, I thought, than the, the Clone Saga that was being published. Well, you can't take anything away from the objective quality of that book. I mean, Busick yeah. and, again, Pat Olive, and, uh, you know, I, my, my Marvel nickname should be Ron. Nobody's a bigger fan of Pat Olive than me, friends, because <laughs> I will always sing Pat's praises. And, yeah, I enjoyed the heck out of that book. Yeah. And, I mean, that book also had a lot to do with uh, when, you know, when MC2 began, and I, I wanted to to follow uh, Kevin Masterson. Uh, you know, Pat was the obvious choice for Spider-Girl because he had he had the language of Spider-Man, the world of Spider-Man, down pat. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. But, I mean, he just nailed it. Uh, you know, he had, you know, a, a very brief adjustment phase early in the in – the, uh, Untold Tales run, and then he just spoke that language like nobody's business, and he, he was a, the real obvious choice for Spider Girl. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean that that you know, I spent years after I came back on Spider Girl living in Pat's shadow because of the, the incredible quality of the work he did, and the and the incredible uh, creative spark that he brought to it, and the voice that he gave it, and the the texture and the flesh that he gave all the characters. So. Uh, you know, I mean, but that, that's uh, it's one of those things. You know, uh, every book has fans. Every book. I mean, you know, it's something that ran three issues back in 1972. Somebody remembers that as their favorite moment in comics. Right. And, you know, that that's it has nothing to do with how it sold or what its distribution was or why it got canceled or any behind-the-scenes stuff. It's just a, it's, it's one of the things that I love about the comics industry. And I, I think that's true with Spider-Girl. I think long after you guys are retired, <laughs> if, you're, uh, if you retire like Sal's going to do. What have you heard? What have you heard? <laughs> I really think this character can go just as long as her father. I mean, this is just a, such a loved, well-loved character that it can easily continue, I think. I think in a different, in a parallel universe where comics never lost its ma- mainstream distribution, yeah. Spider Girl is a huge hit. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, that's why I'm currently working on my uh, interdimensional transport device because <laughs> I want to change places with the Ron friends from that universe <laughs> and uh, and enjoy that uh, that that wonderful, comfortable <laughs> success. You know. Well, Pat, you got one more question for the gang. I remember. Oh yeah. Um... Have you guys ever thought about, you know, going out and doing your own creator-owned book? And I actually have an idea that I'll give to you for free, because I like <laughs> you guys. <laughs> he, also ha- he also has a watch they'd like to sell you. <laughs> in, a bri- in a bridge in Manhattan. Yeah. Or London. Tom, no, do you no, want to address that? that? Mine. Well, uh, actually, we did do um, a creator-owned character. 
Oh, we started to do a creator-owned character. Um, uh, Romulum and I did a title called Randy O'Donnell is the Man for Image Comics. Yep. And, um, you know, we introduced another character called Mr. Wright that, uh, you know, Mr. Friends and I were going to be doing. We have actually completed the first issue and have the second issue in, in progress. Um, and uh, the hassle was that people ordered the first issue of Mr. Wright as if it was the fourth issue of Randy O'Donnell. Mm. Um, and around that time, we were getting interest from an animation studio. So we thought, maybe we should you know, hold off on this and you know, work on something else for a while. Um, and, uh, and one thing has led to another, and we've just never gotten back to it. Yeah. <laughs> but, we, but we do have this Mr. Wright, uh, you know, what issue done, uh, second issue in preparation, and somewhere along the lines when, when we get a little spare time, which could be after Spider Girls canceled. Yeah. <laughs> like your tongue, Tom. I don't want spare time. I hate spare time. I okay. fear spare time. <laughs> but uh, I mean, in, in, in respect to your to your idea, uh, sir, please hang on to it and, and do with it what you will. Tom, Tom and I, we, we've never had a problem with with ideas. We're not. I'm not going to even try to say that our, our all of our ideas will trump yours. But your idea should be your idea, and we would hate to in, even inadvertently, you know, use some part of it without giving you due credit and all this kind of stuff. So you know, ideas are are kind of the currency we deal in. So, I mean, I, I value your idea as your idea. But Tom and I, every time we think we're dry, we, you know, something will spark something, and, and we find out that, holy mackerel, I, maybe we should do this professionally or something. Um, it's, the, the issue is finding other people who feel the same way who are willing to take that financial risk that is inherent in publishing and in, in introducing new ideas. But, um, I mean, we have a, I mean, at one point between assignments, we had a lot of concepts on, uh, you know, on a desk at Marvel. <clears throat> and every single one of them, given Tom's um, uh, respect of the, uh, the craft, all of them had legs. But, it, it, you know, being a, a, the, the person in the position of what do we risk an investment of time and money on, you know, uh, some of them, uh, you know, just weren't what they were looking for at the time, and various and sundry other reasons. But uh, or, you know, it could be that Tom and I just suck, and, and you people just haven't told us yet. I don't know. But you know, Tom and I do have ideas. I mean, any time Tom says, "Do you have any ideas?" I have folders and folders and go. folders full of concepts and ideas that you know we could we could start. Rolling them like bowling balls down the lane, and anybody that's interested in taking some pitches. But uh, uh, you know, so that that's never been the issue. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's you know, it, the whole creator-owned thing is is very problematic, and uh, for the most part, is is taken upon by people who just have an incredible love of the medium, which Tom and I share. But they're also able to do this as a hobby <laughs> because they have other income sources. Yeah. And that I don't share with them. You know, I mean, I I I need to make a living at this, so I need to uh, you know uh, take the jobs that are actually going to bring income in. If I had a day job and was only doing this for fun at night, then I would be more than happy to produce you know any number of of concepts of my own without any need to have them 
have a financial return, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and unfortunately, that a lot of people that are in self-publishing, that's the bottom line. You know, the yeah. it, it, it sounds disrespectful to say that people that are in self-publishing are doing it as a hobby, but unfortunately the reality of it is they are. I mean, I, I, I am uh, completely awed by their love of the medium because I understand how much effort it must take to work a day job and then come home and produce, but they really are doing it uh, for love of the medium, because and, and in hopes of a monetary return further down the line, but they're doing something else to put food on the table and to pay their rent, and uh, you know, and that's just—I mean, it's mind-boggling to me. Right. I, I'm very happy that I got into the industry when I did, when they were hiring any idiot to walk, to walk, and the rest of it has all just been hiding in Tom's shadow. So you know, it's one of those. Well, kind of things. Well, Patrick, well, it's not, it's oh, not like they were hiring any idiot, Ron. They were hiring very specialized idiots. Very specific idiots. <laughs> so, you know, I, I matched the criteria. Yeah, yeah. Well, Patrick, thank you for calling in from London. Thank and, you, sir. And we're gonna go. We're gonna go to the United States again. Oh, really? <laughs> going That's so to, boring after being international and all. We're, we're going to Kansas. <laughs> oh, that doesn't count. Okay, that's the real America. <laughs> All right, let me get Kansas on the line. This is Chris, and on the message board, his handle is Poetic Life from Kansas. Uh, hey, Chris, how you doing? Pretty good. Hey, Hello, Chris. You got Tom Hello, and Ron. Chris. What's what's your question for the fellas? Uh, I have three, if that's okay. Yeah, feel free. Um, Tom, I know you worked on. Thunderstrike, Thor, Amazing Spider-Man, and Fantastic Four in the past. And those runs uh, really helped me get into comic books when I was younger, younger. And I was wondering if you and Ron would maybe ever revisit those titles and work on them within the scope of the 616 Marvel Universe. And if you did, what changes would you make? Um... Well, I, I got to break that question up into into some you know categories. You know, uh, whether or not we, we we would ever work on those again, that's in the hands of other people. Um, you know, the the editor of Fantastic Four would have to you know come to us and say, "Hey, would you like to work on this book?" And the odds are you know really good that we would say yes. Um, Ron and I are not out of the 616 universe because we don't like the 616 universe anymore. Just nobody in the 616 universe has, you know, offered us a job. Um, you know, so, you know, if anybody out there, you know, wants to hire us, hey, you know, give us a call. <laughs> uh, you know, that goes for you guys at DC, too. Because even though spider Girl's getting canceled, it still outsells a lot of your books. <laughs> all right, Tom. All right. All right. Shameless plug. Uh, so anyway, uh, and that's exactly why DC will never hire me. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, as to what changes we would make with, with any title, um, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say minimal changes. Um, uh, you know, it all depends on the title. I never you know, approach a title with preconceptions. I basically sit down and I try to read the, the you know, the last year or two of that title. 
because I think that people have been supporting that title for whatever reasons, and it's my job to make the transition as smoothly as, as smoothly as possible. It's a very old school idea that you try to you know bring bring people along, um, and you know I'd have to look at whatever title it was there. And um, you know, react accordingly. Uh, you know, in general, um, if it was a title about a hero, I would try to make the hero heroic and someone to be admired. Um, and I would try you hear to that world. Do you hear that world? He's a maverick. <laughs> and I would try to uh, uh, bring a sense of optimism and enthusiasm. But those are just the general kinds of things that I've been with, you know, wherever I kind of go. Um, yeah. and, and then after that, you know, I, you know, why don't I would bat around ideas and see what came out? Yeah. You know, how would you answer that question, Ron? How would I answer that question? I always thought Reed Richards should have a beard. Oh, really? <laughs> Well, he does when he stays... On that mundane level, on that mundane (laughs) level, I think he would look very cool with a beard, and I think he's, he's, you know, he works for the character because he tends to be kind of professorial, and he's always got that five o'clock shadow from working over, you know, over long. And, uh, I've done, I've done drawings of my own where, you know, if you, if you give the beard like a white stripe, it works against the black collar of the costumes and stuff, you know, and I always thought that would just be kind of a cool look for Reed, but, uh, you know, beyond that, I mean, that's just a very, you know, uh, minute little thing that I always thought would be kind of neat. But, it, you know, it really is a, a matter of that. There's this perception that Tom and I have been around long enough that we've got cachet, that we've got weight that we throw around, and, and we're able to call up the office and go, you know what we were thinking? We have some spare ideas that would work great on the Fantastic Four, and everybody trips over themselves to make sure that we get a chance to do that. That is so not the case. Um, you know, we we are journeymen, we are craftsmen, we do what we do, and um, uh, a lot of what editors do is based on, on their own perceptions and their own uh, creativity and their own input and their own idea of what is current and what is needed and what is necessary. And, uh, you know, we're gratified anytime somebody likes our work and wants to work with us uh, individually uh, or together. But um, it, it is not a situation where we have weight to throw around. Uh, that is just—that's not how decisions are made in the comics industry. Uh, there, there, there may be one or two people in a very rarefied uh, attitude, a very rarefied place, and a very rarefied perception that may be able to do that on any given, you know, uh, day of the week. Uh, but uh, <laughs> to our dismay, Tom and I found out that we ate them. So uh, it's—it's. It's, you know, definitely more problematic. It's, uh, you know, being contacted. They, they have to motivate, the, the, be the ones that are motivated. They have to initiate that kind of a contact. You- Having said that, Tom and I, I, I do I, I do respect uh, Tom and even myself to a large degree as a, a creative person who would work with an editor to give them what they're looking for and, and, and serve the character and serve the story on an individual basis to the best of our ability. And I, I think that has been valuable in the past, and I think it would continue to be valuable. Do you think that's because the management and the editors change over so much? I mean, with the exception of Machio, is that how you say it, and Brevoort, Machio Machio and Brevoort, I don't know of editors and editor-in-chiefs that have been there for a long time as as you guys have. 
that they... well, there's no denying that that's a possibility. Yeah. For us to speak to what the perceptions of the editors are would be, you know, uh, it would be almost impossible, and, and it would be, uh, you know, prejudiced. I mean, because I, I don't sit around thinking those. You know those those whippersnappers think I'm a dinosaur or anything like that because I, I can't speak to that. I, I honestly just can't speak to that. Um, uh, it's not something that I let bother me. I mean, you hope to be judged, you know, on the basis of the, of the work you've been producing, and and yeah. what else do they have to go by if they want to hire you than than the body of work you've you've done? You know, uh, so you know that that's one of those things that, that we're we're uh, as out of the loop on that kind of decision making as any of the fans you know we don't know how an editor feels about us until he decides to tell us or hire us or you know say that was a good job you know that kind of thing so <laughs> i mean even even our current editor i don't know how he feels about me from day to day and i i look for, you know i mean if he wants to throw a little bit of praise my way i'm always happy to hear it because it suggests that maybe there there would be more work down the road you know i mean we, we're we're in this to, to please our fans, but we're also in it to please our editors. If we don't please our editors, then there's no reason to believe we're going to have an ongoing working relationship with them. You know, so I mean I, that you know it, it definitely is not anathema to the craft to please your editor. In fact, it's very much one of the requirements of of craft is to to to, uh, to please your editor and your editorial point of view uh, on any given book. Right, Tom? That's right. <laughs> Chris, what's your other question? Okay, um, the second one would be, um, can you all still hear me? Yeah, yes. yeah, we can still hear you. Go ahead. Okay, the second one would be, with the Spider-Girl character, would you ever be, um, down with maybe like, uh, crossovers with her with such titles as, uh, The Archie Gang, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, um, The Ninja Turtle, Superboy, Spider-Man or Ultimate Spider-Man? It's going to sound like a cop-out, so, but it's kind of the same answer. That, that all has to be motivated on levels higher than us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that really has to come down from editorial and from the publishers themselves. And if we were ever approached about, about something like that, it, that's not, all of those sound like they would be a lot of fun for different reasons. But that's not something that we can do back-channel and really, you know, make decisions about. I mean, you know, even if my best friend happened to be working on Superboy right now or something, you know, a phone call to him saying, wouldn't that be fun, only goes that far if, if an editor somewhere or the publishers themselves weren't willing to sign off on it, you know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, I, I understand that it kind of sounds like a cop-out coming from us, but, you know, that those, those are all things that are, that are handled on a level way above our pay grade. And, uh, you know, if it sounds like it could be fun. And if anybody's listening who wants to do something like that, that would be great. You know, I mean, Punisher versus Archie was one of my favorite, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite publications for that period of time. I mean, I, I just thought that was a, a heck of a lot of fun. And, and, and I bought both covers. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, and Tom, yeah. we, we had a crossover when Spider Girl st first started with the 616 Spider Man. I remember that. Yeah, he should, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, and you know, you you could conceivably see more of that sort of sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I used to work for Archie Comics, and the current uh, editor in chief is you know one of my best friends, and um, you know the guy who basically trained me. Yeah. Uh, and, and we speak on a regular basis, but not about crossovers. <laughs> um, you know. So, 
you know, it's not like we're against the idea or have any, you know, animus about any, any of those ideas or that sort of thing. But, you know, company, cross-company crossovers, there are all sorts of things that get involved in that. Um, and uh, as, as, you know, when I was editor-in-chief, Chief of Marvel, I negotiated with DC for months and months and months um, to do a series of crossovers, and that eventually all blew up in my face. Um, and I don't know if any, you know, if anybody at Marvel has enough interest to go through that sort of thing, knowing that the whole thing could eventually blow up. Yeah. All right. Well, Chris, we got one, one final question for you. What, what, what's the last one you had for him? Okay, um, this is going to sound like a crazy idea, but if Marvel would let it happen within this new spider, this what, one more day scope, and instead of uh, Peter himself having the kid just like Mayday, they brought the Kane character back and it was his kid, and then the Aunt May character adopted the May character who was the same age as the Mayday character and was like a sister to Peter in the regular universe and became a hero just like the regular Spider-Girl, would you guys be okay to write that within the regular universe? That is a crazy idea! <laughs> It'll never work! It'll destroy everything we've... No, it's, you know... Again, I mean, you know, if if somebody wanted to do that, I mean, uh, I, I know you, uh, something very similar to this was posted, uh, probably by you, and I know Brevoort's response was was very supportive of the current Spider-Girl. That You know, trying to quantify why this Spider-Girl has been a success is is like trying to, to capture smoke in your fist, okay? Um, having said that, if, if another Spider-Girl were, were desired by Marvel or required by Marvel or if they were interested in doing something in a 616 after May Day went away, if they wanted to develop their own character, you know, I think Tom and I would be an interesting choice to develop something like that because I think it might it might mitigate backlash from the loyal fans of the of the the, the current the existing Spider Girl. Um, you know, so I, we'd be open to discuss just about anything, but I I don't see that happening because the perception at Marvel right now, ironically, seems to be very supportive of the current Spider Girl who hasn't gone anywhere yet, and you know they seem to appreciate the reasons that 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 she may or may not have been a success and may or may not have connected with the audience, that I don't think they're ready to throw out the baby with the bathwater yet. But, you know, I mean, anything like that, Tom and I would be willing to discuss. I, you know, there's nothing in our makeup, you know, that where, where you know, our ego about having created May would prevent us from, you know, doing the best work we possibly could on any idea that, that would be brought to us or, or offered to us or we would be asked to develop or anything like that. And that's certainly one of the possibilities. You know, it, it, a lot, it, it's funny how many different ideas seem to, to center around Aunt May now that she's back in an active part of I – because mean, we've always considered her the heart of the Spider-Man books, and, you know, that, that kind of a concept is interesting and, and, and could have legs. Who knows? But – at this point, it's it's just you know supposition and and extrapolation and 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 fantasizing at this point. Ron, yeah. do you have anything to add to that? You know, Ron and I look at any idea as a essentially a creative challenge. Um, and if you know if Marvel you know came you know 
came to us or, or said, listen, you know, we, we, we would like, a, you know, a Spider-Girl character for the, for the Marvel Universe. And, um, you know, we want her to be the, um, you know, the daughter of uh, the Black Panther. And, uh, you know, um, Moon Dragon. Uh, and, uh, you know, and she lives in Kansas City, but fights in New York. Um, Ron and I would look at th those things and see if we could make a coherent idea out of it. And if we could, we'd, we'd present it, and if they liked it, uh, they, they, we'd publish it. <laughs> and, um, you know, we basically look at, you know, anything as a creative challenge that needs to be solved, because, you know, the craft of comics is to, you know, yeah. create and, and destroy entire universes and, and complete five-page stories. Right. <laughs> well, Chris, I appreciate you calling in, and uh, I'm, I'm your neighbor. I'm in Missouri, and you're in Kansas, right? <laughs> yeah, I was born in Kansas City. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you go. All right. Well, Chris, thank you for calling in, my friend. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very you. much, man. Thank you. You guys have a great day. You, you too. too, sir. Okay, our last caller is, uh, again, we're going to the United States. We're going to Staten Island. And we have Will from our message board, and we're calling Will right now. He also has an accent. <laughs> hey, Will, what's you. going on? Hey, well, hello to Tom, Ron, and Brad. Oh, hello. You're our la we're closing it up with you, Will. <laughs> oh, excellent. You're, Make you're, it big, uh, Will. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> How are you guys this afternoon? Good. Good. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm sorry to hear about the uh, cancellation of Spider-Girl, so I wish you guys the, the best of luck on the Spider-Man family. Um, Thank okay. you, man. Okay. Okay. Cool, cool. And uh, I just have a total of three questions for you guys, if you don't mind. Uh, the first one is, uh, what did you guys think of the uh, One More Day retcon concerning the Mary Jane marriage? Um, i got to be honest, I've never actually read it. Yeah. Mm. I see. What about you, Ron? Have you read uh, that, that's, a, that's a hard question to ask any creative person. I mean, we all have our opinions. I, I'm not sure whether they they should be for public consumption or not. I yeah. I mean, I referred to it before that I, I you know, I think there's a difference between um, how they got there and where they are, and, and I think a lot of the fans are separating those two, and I and I think that's valid. You know, um, you know, it, it, it really. I don't know. It, it's just one of those things where, since you know, we're we're in the business of making creative decisions all the time and discussing them with editors and deciding what happens and what doesn't happen. I mean, we become uh, very. I mean, certainly not blasé about it. As I said, we all have our opinions. But but we become very understanding uh, and very open-minded about the process of making different creative decisions. And since we weren't in the meetings and we weren't there for the discussions, it's very hard for us to, to, to make a judgment uh, on anything. You know, Tom and I might have, we might have sat in those meetings and we might have walked out going, these guys are out of their minds, or we may have walked out going, that really made a lot of sense. I think maybe we should do it, you know, that kind of thing. But in absence of those discussions, you know, it's it's not it's not politic. It's not smart. It's not uh, you know our, our opinions are worth no more than anybody else's opinions. Yeah. You know, I mean, because we're, we're all fans. You know, we're all exactly. Fans. <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, I've I've been reading some of the stuff, and, and under some of the teams, I really like what they're doing, and under some of the other teams, I, I don't like it quite as much, and you know. But I have I, certainly I have no no problem in, in in essence with a single Peter Parker. I mean, when I was growing up, he was single, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. So I mean, decisions are made for all kinds of different reasons, and as much as other people don't agree with some of the decisions, creative decisions Tom and I have made over our professional lives, I mean, I'm I, you know. It, I guess I guess what I'm trying to say, without actually saying it, is that his opinions are like parts of the anatomy. Everybody's got one, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> and as much as we respect the idea that you're curious about ours, you right. know we're we're not all that uh, committed to them, so it's probably not a you know not worth mentioning. You know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, Ron. And um, the second question is having to do with uh, future work. Uh, now, do you, Tom and Ron, have any future stories for the? Brand new day status quo, or, or just any regular six sixteen story in the near future um, using um, regular six sixteen characters? Um, not yet. Uh, basically, we're gonna, you know, after Spider Girl goes away, we basically have to see uh, if Marvel has any plans for us. Yeah. And um, you know, Spider Girl hasn't gone anywhere yet. But you know, given the opportunity, you know, we have these we have these, these secret wellsprings of ideas that uh, you know just start flowing and we can't stop them. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, given the opportunity, I'm sure we come up with with plenty. Uh, you know, even with uh, Amazing Spider-Man family, you know, so there have been some discussions about if we want to you know pitch other ideas or contribute other concepts or ideas to a book that would be primarily Spider-Man. You know, and and Ideas occur, you know that kind of thing. I mean, uh, nobody's doing anything with Silver Sable right now, uh, and Tom and I had created Silver Sable. I mean, that that could be an interesting feature to do. And, That'd be an awesome book. You know, I mean, I, we we have no no lack of 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 concepts and ideas that we would love to 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 pitch and and see if anybody's interested. But it really does come down to that whole. I, a concept that we have no control over is whether or not there's any interest. You know, I mean that that's right, just, yeah. uh, that's what we're we're staring down the long barrel of whether or not anybody has any interest in hearing what what Tom DeFoco and Ron Friends have to say. You know, I mean, uh, and 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 that also includes they may be more interested in Tom DeFoco separately. Um, I guess in some bizarre universe they might be interested in Ron Friends specifically without <laughs> Tom DeFoco. I don't know, but you know we're, that. That's one of the reasons why you know we're uh, strongly committed to Spider Girl because <laughs> because on the other side of Young May Parker is a vast unknown that uh, we'd all be uh, living uh, for the moment and uh, and praying to God we land somewhere you know that kind of thing. <laughs> oh cool yeah I, I mean I would definitely be interested in seeing what you guys do with basically anything and uh, after Spider Girl even using Spider Girl and amazing um and a Amazing Spider Spider Man. That's a long right. title. I can't even keep yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thanks, Ron and Tom. And uh, last question for you guys. Uh, for, actually, this is exclusively for Tom. Uh, are there any plans to collect uh, your Green Goblin or Thor runs in, in like a Visionaries or Premiere uh, hardcover style format? Um, it's not that I know of. Uh, and uh, and to, be, to be honest, uh, if there was. I'd probably be the last one to hear about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> why is that? They they don't contact the creative team when they put together a trade. Um, no, I, I, not unless they need him to write a foreword or something. Oh, you know, that, yeah. that, that, oh, okay. 
Yeah, so I, you know, we most of the time when the you know books come out, I'm just kind of surprised. You know? <laughs> I, I'm I'm I'm, ba- I'm waiting with bated breath when the Spider-Man Essentials get to us, you know, and the, <laughs> when the Thor Essentials get to us and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, well, we've never heard anything like that, and I have to be honest, nobody's ever. I've never heard anybody in conversation or otherwise refer to Tom or myself as visionary. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Yes. I'm not it's sure we're gonna, we're going to be honored with anything like that. I mean, it would be uh, nice. I mean, there may come a time where every idea we've ever had comes back around on the big idea wheel, and the top-selling books in, in, in Marvel are you know, Silver Sable, Puma, The Black Fox, and uh, The New Warriors. There you go. But, uh, you know, and, and suddenly, uh, you know, it's, it's Tom and Ron time again. But uh, it, it could, you know, I, I recognize that could happen, the, likely, the likelihood of it. I wouldn't want to take the spread on it, but, uh, you know, it could happen. And, uh, you know, Tom has always kind of talked about the fact that things happen in cycles and everything old becomes new again and all this kind of jazz. And yeah. and we've gone through like two or three with our Spider-Man work where suddenly, you know, a Spider-Man 3 brought out a lot of the stuff that we were working on because of the black costume. And, uh, you know, right. and, and every so often somebody, you know, uh, decides to play with an idea whose root was in, in work that Tom and I had done together. And then that's always gratifying and flattering and it's always nice when somebody wants to talk to you i mean as a freelancer we do a lot of work alone so anytime somebody wants to talk to us it's a lot of fun oh yeah you know uh, especially uh somebody other than the the other lonely guy at the giant eagle who just wants to tell you about his foot surgery you know? <laughs> so, uh, 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 well will i appreciate you calling in Oh well, thank you very much, gentlemen. It's been a real pleasure, and, a, and uh, much success to both of you, uh, both of you guys, in the future. And Brad, keep the keep up the great work on podcast. Oh, well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks for all your support, man. Uh, thank thanks, you, man. Ron. Thanks, Tom. All right, all right, gang. That was the last caller. I, we went around the world at least once. I'm exhausted. <laughs> guys, bottom line, let's let's wrap it up and talk a bit about what what can us fans do to help you guys? What can we do? Um, you have a couch? <laughs> we have a couch. <laughs> you need a place to stay, Ron. Is that what you need? <laughs> it, could, it could turn into that, you know. I, mean, I could be like Kwai Chang Kane. I will travel into your town with with a, with a, a roll on my back and, uh, you know, give me a couch and I will fix your personal problems <laughs> and then move on to the uh, to the strains of uh, the, the Hulk's traveling music or something, you know. And, we'll... We'll and, draw, and you'll have a sign that says, we'll draw for sleeping, for, for bed. <laughs> we'll quetch for food, yeah, you know, you that kind of thing. But, uh, you know. Tom, what, 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 what can we do as fans to help you guys? Um, just uh, ask your local retailers to, um, you know, buy more copies of Spider-Girl. Yeah. It really well, does kind of come down to that, and it sounds very commercial and kind of crass because, I mean, it's so... Uh, what sort of like humbling to, to hear the people talk about uh, the Spider Girl character and that they that they do appreciate the work we're doing. So to ask them to do more, it, you know, becomes this, you know, it kind of it puts us in this ridiculous situation of looking uh, like we're ungrateful or something. But uh, you know, it, 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 the situation is what the situation is, and numbers are the issue. So you know. Uh, if somebody knows how to hack into Marvel's database and <laughs> put a few more zeros on the end of the, on the sales figures, that could help. 
Yeah, but, we're, out, uh, we're out selling Secret Invasion suddenly. <laughs> exactly. How the hell did that happen? I don't know. I guess the word got around, you know. But, so uh, ask your retailer to stock more, and if it if the sales pick up between now and March, we might save the book to go to 31. I, wouldn't that be nice? And, yeah. you know, it's happened before. It could happen again. Anything is possible. And that is that, that can be very you know, unsatisfying uh, to hear that kind of an answer. I mean, you know, even on the message board, it, they've gotten used to Tom's response. Anything is possible. Right. But if this book has proven anything in its last 11 years, it is that axiom that anything is possible. Right. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a hell of a ride. It's been a lot of fun for all of us. I mean, we're not ready to, to let it end. We're not ready to have it end. We've right. got ideas coming out. Parts of us that you know that you really need to put them somewhere, and it would be nice if we could actually do it for a paycheck. How about this coming out your web shooter? How about that? <laughs> there you go. You know, I mean, but if the book, if something, if something would happen that's unanticipated, Tom and I will be traveling the country in a VW microbus, and we will just show up at people's doors and and act out the next issue of Spider Girl, and uh, that's awesome. <laughs> We'll keep busy that way. Yeah. You know. Tom, any closing comments? Um, just a, I, I just want to thank everybody who's you know been with us all this time and you know you know all of the support, guys. We wouldn't have made it you know anywhere near near this number uh, without you, and we're just so thankful that you know you allow us into your homes uh, you know once a month. Amen. Many thanks to Tom and Ron for talking to the fans for two and a half hours. It was a blast, and I really hope if you're listening to this show, you'll do your part to help save Spider-Girl. Ask your local retailer to stock more copies and buy them up once they arrive. Give them to friends, do what you got to do. If you'd like to order Spider-Girl, you can do it through MailOrderComics.com. They have the amazing Spider-Girl Volume 3 trade paperback. The cover price is 14 bucks. Mail order has it for $8.67. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Now we have a couple more shows planned for November. We're gathering the regular gang together in a few days to record our monthly show. So be on the lookout for that. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Brad Douglas, your host and webmaster of the SpiderManCrawlspace.com. <laughs>